Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Joining me today, he's a little groggy. He's a little groggy to start the day, but you know him from Sportsnet's The Raptors Show. Uh, you know him from Twitter, which I'm not calling X yet. And he has just written this very amazing book called Prehistoric. I'm showing it here for the YouTube audience, the improbable story of the Toronto Raptors. Give it up for Alex Wong. Yeah, give it up. Is this where the audience claps? What's going on, Kathy? Yeah, Thanks yeah, yeah. For... We add that later. We add yeah, that later. We should have just done this at, at Comedy Bar. Uh, happy uh, 15 <laughs> years old to Comedy Bar. Uh, yes. No, I appreciate, appreciate you having me on. You know, I believe, you know, we did this podcast uh, a long time ago. And then, you know, along the way, the last couple of years, you know, uh, you know, my stature started to grow in this industry and I had to start <laughs> saying no to people. But I'm here. I'm here for the civilians. So um, I'm, I'm here for you, for the rest of the civilians listening. Uh, really appreciate everybody. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny because you described me as groggy up top and that was perfectly you know. accurate. Like, you know, we tapped onto this um, recording at 10 in the morning. And, you know, a little early for me, not going to lie, but, um, you know, got to try to squeeze in a few things, you know, for, for in the schedule. But, um, you know, when when the mics are on and stuff, I, I got to turn up a little bit. So this is me turning up right now. For you. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That's good. You know, I mean, it, 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 I you're, suppose you're like, I... you're like, just shut up. We're no, I'm talk not... about your book. <laughs> so no, I, I wasn't I, saying I, I was going to say that. When you released Cover Story, mm. uh, which was two years ago, you yeah. had your book launch in like a vintage clothing store, vintage which was fun. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then yeah. now you had it at like U of T in like a huge gymnasium with like hundreds of people. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is actual. Uh, it was yeah. how many? 500 yeah. 500 i, I, I think said it was hundreds like, i said I think, hundreds. Was, I think it was like 430 but i've decided to round up on every number related to the book there you go so, yeah so it's five i mean that's rounding up pretty high I'm not gonna lie yeah just made up it's it's like a asian, lot of extra asian boy math yeah so that's what i've done but Sorry, that, i'm bringing a lot of chaos to this i'm gonna i'm gonna settle down no 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 we want we want the chaotic version of you yeah because you're you know version. you're professional on your show am i yeah that's not the you know enough and so this this oh, show okay. you can let loose a bit oh okay this is the real me everybody yeah um, this is the real me so yeah i'm here what's up um how um how did you find your book launch? I thought it was pretty fun. I didn't even get to say hi to you though, because there were yeah, was, well, five hundred people. Yeah, I was gonna say, unfortunately, like again, like I'm just like really popular right now. And you no, know, it, it was super cool for people to come out and I was really surprised because we had planned um obviously University of Toronto had had helped organize this event. Super grateful for that. And we had planned for the beginning of the night for me to do a little bit of um just book signing and they had set up a a, a I guess a table there to the side of the gym and like i wasn't expecting nobody to show up but like i was pleasantly surprised like there was a lineup for for like an hour for people to sign books so i really appreciate anybody who's listening who was in that line for being patient um and like i was gonna say like i didn't get a chance to and you know have the food i didn't get a chance to really hang out with anybody again i'm not complaining i understand i had a lot of stuff to do that night but i didn't even realize you were there until the professional photos came in and i was like oh there is catherine in the background of one of these photos so she did show up so it's been like that for a lot of my friends like i i, I actually don't know who showed up i'm in the background not. of one professional photo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i kind of buried the lead on that one. 
No, no, no. I think that really sums up my career in basketball, no, to be come honest. On. Come on. We're not doing that. Anyways, um, I've been, yeah, I've been going through those photos and being like, oh, that person was there. I'm literally that Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV thing because, like, yeah, it was a super fun night. I'm glad you were there. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a great celebration. That's what I wanted it to be, kind of the celebration of the basketball community and really spotlight, um, you know, just, just honestly, like all the people that was not just involved with the project, but all the people that have been super supportive of me in my career. And like that includes yourself, like all jokes aside, um, you know, calling you a civilian and all things. But um, no, I, I really do appreciate um, like kind of everybody. And like when you get a chance to do a project like this, I think there's um, the most rewarding thing is like being able to do stuff like this. Yeah, well, that's very sweet and sentimental of you, Alex. Thank you. Um, okay, let's talk about the book. Um, you start off the book, uh, I said, beautifully illustrating a parallel between the Raptors being new to Canada and yourself being new to Canada, which is true. I thought that was really cool. Uh, so tell us more about that and what that really means to you. Yeah, I don't know if this is because I finished my book, um, technically finished writing it in January. So it's been like about like, whatever, 10 months now. But I don't know if I intentionally meant to draw that parallel. So really? I really, yeah. So I really appreciate it. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. I was like, oh, this no, I was is like, cool. I was like, Catherine is right because I start off the book talking about my personal history, how I came to Canada, uh, immigrating here when I was eight years old in '92 with my family from Hong Kong, and and then obviously moving towards the story of how the Raptors really kind of came here in the beginning of it. So um yeah good good call out i'm gonna take credit for that that's definitely what i intended to do but no to answer your question you know i think i mean look i am a yeah. professional screenwriter outside of all of this so <laughs> yeah. maybe i was finding things you know? yeah no i'm just straight up gonna gonna own that like that i did not i don't think i intentionally did that but that's great um great by me um not you but like um um you know writing the intro the intro was actually the last thing that i wrote in the um like i had actually struggled with it for the two and a half years like i knew exactly what i wanted in the middle of the book i knew exactly you know the the stories that i wanted to tell but i really struggled with like how do i start this like what is the starting point should i start with teasing something in the middle of the season maybe it's the middle of the game where they beat the michael jordan the 72 and 10 bulls and then kind of pull back just to like snap their like bring the readers in right away um, I was exploring a lot of these different options and, and I was also struggling too. a lot of times with my writing is like, I don't, um, I don't find personal writing to be a particular strength of mine. So I'm often kind of veering towards telling other people's stories. And obviously you've read the book. You, I think you kind of understand that in terms of just like the desire I have of like telling the stories of everyone that was involved with the team. But like, ultimately I did land on wanting to kind of just tell a little bit piece of my story with the intention of, just letting the reader know right away, like why um, you should read a book uh, written by me um, and like what the Raptors, you know, obviously meant to me, where my curiosities came from. And yeah, no, I'm glad you drew that parallel because so much of this story is about this quote unquote, like new Canada, you know, John Bitove Jr., the original owner of the Raptors termed it new Canada when he talked about the demographic he wanted to reach. And that was women, immigrants and kids. And a lot of those people weren't being marketed to. So um, I think that's a that's a that's a theme that runs through the book when you meet different people, uh, when, when, when you read about like how the team was formed and their intentions in the community and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think I ended up after the two and a half year process, whatever it was, finally sitting down, writing the intro and, and wanting to, to use that as like a starting point and use that to really kind of um, lay out the themes of the book. Um, two and a half years. Uh, that is definitely quite the process. Was a lot of that just like trying to um, get access to people for interviews or what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, yes, because I ended up talking to about 140 people for the book and um, the process was actually easier than like, you know, people might think because I had a lot of relationships with people that worked with the Raptors in the first year, starting with John Bitov Jr., um, some of the players as well, Tracy Murray, Damon Stoudemire had previously talked to. Now, Damon was one example of being really hard to track down because as I was working on the book, he was an assistant coach on the Celtics. Mm -hmm. So there was just no time during the season. But we ended up last summer um, being able to do a Zoom basically every week. So I think we did a series of like six or seven Zooms. 
every week and was able to really dive into his story. Um, and the biggest help from this book was my friend Elaine Kwan, um, who you might remember from the book, like she's part of the community relations team. She actually organizes reunions with these first year Raptors, keeps in touch with everybody. So she was able to put me in touch with everybody. Um, so I would say the interview process actually wasn't hard. I mean, it was just the time that was spent doing it, prepping for the interviews, transcribing all this stuff. Um, shouts to my transcription service. But like um, <laughs> the, the other hard part, actually, which wasn't hard, but I found to be time consuming, but I also found to be really fun was doing the research, like diving into the newspaper archive. And mostly I did use the Toronto Star because um, they gave pretty comprehensive coverage to the team back in the day. So, like, mm -hmm. I don't know how much time I would have spent, maybe like a month or two um, over a period of a month or two at the very, very beginning was just going through the sports section of like 1993 to like 1996 and basically like printing out every day that the Raptors played, but then also reading their off day stories, reading profiles, reading all this stuff about the Raptors. And that was kind of how I built up, um, you know, how I wanted to flow the story, people I wanted to talk to and important touch points of that first season and those first couple of years of the franchise as they were granted the expansion team in 93 and started playing 95, um, kind of the most important stuff I wanted to dive into. That's really cool. I mean, I love like those old archives also to like, I'm old, so I have some <laughs> memories <laughs> of this stuff, you know, like, yeah. like I feel like, cause I became a fan of the Raptors, like pre Vince Carter, yeah. which is like you know pretty wild i mean obviously as a kid at the time but i feel like you know you talked about like marketing the raptors to people that were being like underserved within mm -hmm. the overall like sports community i mean i think definitely i fit into that category but mm -hmm. i also feel like the raptor like the mascot itself was specifically designed for kids like i know people made like a lot of like barney jokes back in the day yeah and stuff like that but it was like no this is being marketed to children oh to yeah, yeah get yeah. us hooked early yeah there was a there's definitely a lot of intention in that like none of that stuff was like accidental and like i think this tidbit made it in the book um in that like originally the raptor mascot when it was designed had like a more fierce looking mm. uh kind of face to him and and John Bitov saw the design and actually just like carved it up, changed the smile. It was like, we need something that's more kid friendly because like these were kids coming to the arena for the first time, which at the time was a Sky Dome. Yeah. And you're right. Like, you know, not a lot of kids like are like going to pay attention to a 48 minute basketball game. Like, how do you draw them in? It has to be with these like kind of additional things that was at the game. And I think the mascot was one of the biggest things like one. um the people in the game ops department told me that when they did exit surveys, um, as people were coming out of the arena, the mascot was like uh, far and above the number one like attraction when they asked fans. <laughs> no, when they asked fans like, "What was your favorite part of like the game?" Like aside uh, aside from like watching the game. So um, I think that's actually a, a great call out, like specifically with the mascot. Um, that you know everything that they did was with the intention of like marketing to these people. Yeah um i remember like our you know our team sucked obviously and then yeah. it would be like halftime or whatever and then like the raptor mascot would be like jumping and doing all these flips and then they'd have like a little trampoline and he'd be dunking with the trampoline and like my dad would be like put this guy in like put this guy <laughs> in the game wow, because just, obviously we don't just, know that's we, just out here heckling yeah <laughs> we don't know anything about basketball we're like new to the sport my dad's just like put this guy in like what are you doing you know yeah. It is anyway it was so stupid but funny um you know I, it's funny how like nostalgia works with all this stuff because we have mm -hmm. these like fond memories right mm -hmm. but what of what was otherwise a challenging time for this franchise like i remember like this team was not good mm -hmm. and i have this i was trying to find it in the archives i couldn't find it but i have this very vivid memory of damon stoudemire leaving toronto oh, and yeah. he was like ecstatic like he yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah. wait to get out of Toronto, especially because he was going to Portland and that's where he's from originally. Mm -hmm, but like, mm -hmm. I remember watching like CTV news in the evening and a reporter's interviewing him at the airport. He's like ready to get on the plane and he is yeah. just smiling ear to mm -hmm. ear. Like he's so happy to leave. And I was like, damn, like, yeah. I, I'm like, I'm a kid. And I was like, damn, that's cold. 
Yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> I remember that period. It's it's kind of funny. I mean, I had Damon talk a little bit about that um, in in the in the epilogue of the book because, like, um, you know, going back to kind of the process when I decided to to pick a time period to cover. Um, you know, I ultimately, you know, landed on starting kind of in 1993. This is two years before they actually start play. You know, the NBA is having this like expansion franchise bidding and these three ownership groups come in, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like the two years they get ramped up. They come up with the logo. They hire a coach. You know, they hire Isaiah as a general manager. You know, they build out a team. Um, and then it ultimately landed on like um, using the first season, that 95, 96 season as kind of like a canvas to really tell a lot of stories about the players and people within the team. Because um, like I felt like there was enough there to really tell the very beginning. Um, and, and the period you described kind of comes right after. Like the second season, they really mm-hmm. struggle. By the third year, you know, Isaiah Thomas is out. Um, and by then the ownership has changed. And again, I try to touch a little bit on it at the end, but it's like, and like you mentioned, Damon like really wanted out because he had a great relationship with Isaiah. Um, you know, didn't didn't see the direction of the team, and he admitted in the book he was like, I, I was a little bit immature the way I handled it because like the airport thing you mentioned. I also remember like pulling up a lot of interviews right before the trade deadline where he was just very openly talking about like being excited to go. Yeah, um, which is like, I mean, we see, I mean, you know, we see players today like with trade requests and stuff, but like back then it was still pretty jarring yeah. for like a player to like speak so openly about that so yeah you know the nostalgia thing is interesting because like one of the most interesting things that i discovered doing the book is um how many of these people amongst the players the staff the front office everybody involved in that first year they all still keep in touch so like yeah, even during uh, the, even, i find that yeah. so surprising but in a yeah. great way yeah it was like it gave me this like emotional kind of thread to the book that I actually did not um, know I was going to have going in. And it it was super cool. Like I remember one of the first things, um, and I think I mentioned this in the epilogue of the book, but one of the first things that I was sent was a bunch of Zoom videos that these people did during the pandemic because they were supposed to have an in-person reunion. Obviously those Mm. plans, um, you know, didn't go because, because everything was shut down. So like they started doing Zooms together and just like reminiscing about the first season and like reminiscing about all these fun stories that they remember. And then there was one of these zooms where it was like John Bitov, um, I think Isaiah Thomas was there. And then the Raptor mascot shows up and then halfway through uh, Samuel Jackson shows up like on the zoom. Cause like he knew <laughs> Isaiah, he knew John. And like, obviously in the book, I touch on a little bit of like Samuel as like the first celebrity fan. And it's like, but then it's crazy to me. It's like the dance pack people still talk, like the game ops, the broadcast team. And like some of those guys on the broadcast team, like Leo Rounds is still part of, you know, the Raptors coverage today. Paul Jones as yeah. well. And like Doug Smith um, mm-hmm. is still covering the Raptors today. So it's kind of really cool um, when, when you talk about the nostalgia. It's like a lot of these people do have really fond memories of that very, very beginning because like they had a very unique job description of like, yo, we're starting a basketball team from the ground up. It's not like you joining the Raptors like today where there's an infrastructure. Now you're 25, 30 years in. I think there's just a general excitement about being part of that very beginning. And honestly, it starts with John Bitov Jr. Like I I know like standing ownership is weird. Um, Like I'm not sitting, (laughs) like I'm not sitting here being like, let's rank, let's rank the 30 owners. Yeah, NBA, let's but, rank all these billionaires. Yeah, but John, John, and listen, John comes from money, but like John, John was like 33 at the time, which was like mm. crazy to think about when he owned the team. And he brought that youthful energy to everybody. And like it's it's wild to me. Like, I think I asked John this at our book launch. I was like, I was like, it's crazy. Like, I talked to so many people that work for you, and they all still say nice things about you. Like, I can't, I can, I don't know how many bosses <laughs> I would do that to. Like, you, you know mean what I people mean? aren't saying nice things about you the people who yeah. work with you <laughs> no comment um but like um <laughs> but you know what i mean though it's like that that was like kind of eye-opening to me too because these people had no reason to say nice things about john not at this point like if, if they had any gripes with him they would have definitely opened up and it wasn't just one person two person like two people three people like it was everybody and i saw that too like through their reunion event i had a chance to attend um this summer when they had it at real sports and like tracy murray was there even marcus canby from the second year um ac earl um like it was super cool to see them still interact with just staff and they Mm -hmm. were just like having like 
great a great time just like reminiscing so the nostalgia is like definitely there for them and like i think you know i think it's it's cool it's cool for them too to, to be able to see this book come out and people like finally learning about their story yeah no it is really cool um you mentioned uh isaiah thomas i want to talk about him a bit because i remember it was like a really big deal for isaiah thomas to be our first gm mm -hmm. but what i said was that like you know you look back at it and it's like that whole bad boy era pistons thing never really crossed over with this raptors team in those early days like do you feel like in hiring him like that was sort of like their hope or intention like that we would have this like gritty attitude or you know what i mean yeah i think that was definitely the intention i mean isaiah was like just retired when he joined the uh, the team as a general manager because he has suffered basically a career-ending injury didn't know what he was going to do next um and you know originally they wanted to hire chuck daly who was the head coach during the bad boy pistons days and then they decided on Brendan Malone, who, like, of course, also was part of the Bad Boy Pistons, was an assistant coach. And famously, like, he's been credited with coming up with, like, the Jordan rules. He was, like, their defensive guy. So, like, that mm -hmm. was definitely the intention of bringing, like, a certain toughness there. But I think the challenge of that is, like, um, even though they definitely had the Bad Boy Pistons as a model, like, I mean, they were just restricted, right? Like, there was like, the expansion draft. Like, you're picking up leftover players from other teams or bad contracts or draft busts. Um, so it's not like you could go out there and like really build the team that you want. And, you know, based on Isaiah leaving after like, I think two years, like Damon leaving, like, and Brendan getting fired after the first season, you know, I think there was a vision there, but like, certainly like they just couldn't execute it because they were an expansion team. Right. And also too, like, I feel like that bad boy Pistons era is just like, it is its own thing. Like, I don't oh, know yeah, if, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that could ever be replicated, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you see the Miami Heat now try to replicate it by painting the words, like, hardworking on, in, in the paint <laughs> on their court and, like, nastiest, toughest team. It's like, we used to just do that. Like, we, yeah, didn't, just, they we also, didn't say it. They also famously don't care about the regular season, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, I believe many teams famously don't care about the regular season. Uh, I, I think yeah, I saw a you're... quote yesterday from like Ty Lue or somebody on the Clippers being like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not concerned. Like, we're just going to work our way through this season. I'm like, again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a whole other that's a whole other sideshow. <laughs> uh, in the pre Vince Carter era. So really this Damon Stoudemire era, like who was your favorite role player to watch? Oh, yeah, it was fun to think about this question. Um, I mean, I really like Oliver Miller um you know on, on that first year team uh tracy murray i was always a huge fan i've always just been a fan of like kind of that three-point shooting type and then mm -hmm. when tracy left i remember they brought in walt williams like i was a big fan he had those mm -hmm. like knee high socks um and then yeah those are kind of the main ones for me i mean popeye jones was cool um I, it's kind of funny thing about this because i feel like before before vince and like kind of after damon that little period like we only had role players um like that's there true wasn't, yeah there wasn't like a lot of star power there but yeah, yeah who was, like yeah. like like Kev, was kevin willis a part of those teams no see willis would have came willis oh he came, came during, later like, vince yeah he would have came with vince like we had know, doug he, christie yeah doug christie was there you know doug christie's in the book he gets traded to toronto in the first season yeah um, yeah doug christie was there like john wallace right um like just a lot of random players uh at the time yeah we had but, a we had a d brown moment yeah, D Brown, D Brown. Yeah, but it's like uh, that's the thing. I think it goes. I back think to when you, I think yeah. D Brown came to score one in Mississauga. Really? That's and, yeah, and I got like a, a t shirt signed by him. Yeah, see, I wish I had those stories. Like, I my parents never <laughs> like took me to those things. Like, I regrettably like never went to the Sky Dome to watch a game. Like, I wish. Really? I yeah, but like I lived uptown at the time, like like in Markham, and like going downtown was just like its own thing. Like, yeah, like if, yeah if you were driving downtown like it's a whole event like you have to plan around it and everything that's and, like, true yeah i think my parents that's being, still like, true yeah especially like, when you're in the suburbs yeah 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 again i can't speak for that right now um but like um <laughs> oh i'm not for, in the suburbs anymore but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but like um like yeah my parents being immigrants too like i think it was just like like this is what i think about too is like it was difficult for them to understand even how to buy tickets like I know yeah, back then tickets yeah. were available at like Shoppers Drug Mart or ticket office, but it's like for them to even think about like, oh, how do I get tickets? Um, like how do I like where do I park? Like, you know, what's this whole situation gonna look like? I think it was very intimidating. 
Um, yeah. and, and that was another part of the book too. It's just like the work that the Raptors did in the community very early on to just try to make basketball like accessible to like kids and like different communities mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, which like, you know, I, I really wanted to make sure I spotlighted, even though it wasn't like a huge section in the book or something like that. Cause I feel like that might be its own book if you're trying to make those connections. That could be, like, that's the next book. Yeah, no, no more books. Um, <laughs> now, no more books. Now. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's what I'm going with for now. But um, <laughs> no more books for now. No, but yeah, it's just going back to your question. Like, yeah, there was a yeah, there was a period where there was just like a lot of role players. And like you mentioned earlier, like they the Raptors just weren't good. Like people, I think people understand it now, but it's kind of like people just didn't care about the Raptors at the time. No, yeah. no, they didn't. I mean, I got into it because, again, like the Raptor was marketed to me directly. Yeah. <laughs> But I, love also, that, I love how that marketing like specifically worked for you. Like, yeah, it, it, it did. It, it really I think it worked for a lot of kids, though. No, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And, like, so many people have told me stories, like even like uh, Savannah Hamilton um, at Sportsnet. Like, she's told me that, like, uh, yeah, the Raptor came to one of her like birthday parties because apparently oh, you could, cool. like, yeah, because you could like hire the Raptor back then to like uh, show up and like you know hang out with the kids and stuff and like so many people have told me the same stories of like oh like i love the raptor growing up had all these experiences yeah that's so wild i mean i remember like we would like my dad used to work for canada post and he would Mm. like deliver packages like downtown so he knew like where to find parking Right. Like he he took great pride in knowing all the good parking mm-hmm. areas in the city that were cheap. So we never parked at the stadium, but it always meant this like 20 minute walk. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you did save on the parking though. But we yeah. did save on the parking. And then and then we would be like up in the five hundreds. Obviously, I don't come from money. And you know, it was like <laughs> we have this like I've we seen, have like I've seen you bid on a vintage Janet Jackson tea on eBay live. Yeah. So and not get and it. it. Oh, that's right. I, and I didn't get it. Part. And then my I bad, lost the, our poker. I lost my poker hand at the same time. Yeah, but and I know that you shirt filmed wasn't cheap. me having a yeah, breakdown. I do. I, I do still have that breakdown. I watch it once in a while. Um, <laughs> it's um, no, but I but but the, I know that shirt wasn't cheap. So that's all I'm saying. No, but it was like it was. Yeah, it was like a hundred dollars. Yeah, but like you were saying, so like you guys would save on parking. We would save on parking and then like the tickets were like really cheap. I think they were like five bucks. Yeah. Imagine telling someone today, like, you know, even though you're sitting in the 500s that you can get into an arena for like five dollars, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So my parents are just like, yeah, like five dollars. I know where to park. Yeah, so it was before. like a, We're not it was a very, affordable, it was a very right like now. affordable thing. It was a very yeah. like affordable thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my grandmother had these like binoculars. Oh yeah, yeah. I, she I brought binoculars because they were so yeah. high. You're so far away from the court. Yeah, I think I have this detail in the book. It's like they used to sell binoculars there as well. Yeah, you could yeah. Them. You could rent them for like seven bucks or something like that, which is yeah. kind of crazy, I guess, because that's more than the ticket. That's more yeah. than the ticket. And yeah. then, or you could bring your own binoculars if That's you're amazing. my grandma. And yeah. then, yeah, like you could see like the like the dance pack waiting in the wings. Oh yeah, yeah. Before they went yeah, onto yeah, the yeah, court yeah. because there was yeah. so much space. Yeah, there was a space, so they would be like kind of like behind the basket, and like it's funny the way it was described to me. Obviously, I, I was I was never there, but like there was like a trailer where they would get changed. And it's like you can see it all because like the the sky dome was kind of just an empty space with like a court yeah it was just like laid out on the ground level so like it's uh yeah it's just from seeing the pictures like it looks crazy it was so brutal yeah like, but it was I, also like, like it's a great but as a kid it was them. so fun it was oh, yeah, like yeah, exciting yeah. and new yeah you're going to a you're going to an nba game like i think yeah. that's that's all that matters like it doesn't really matter where you are yeah, I remember watching the um the uh when we beat the Bulls. I watched yeah. that live. Quite confident Jordan was just very hungover. It's yeah. like when we it's like when we beat the Bucks recently. Yeah, yeah. I was and, like, it's yeah. the day after Halloween. Like yeah. they they partied too and, hard. And it's confirmed in the book. Like he did party the night before. Like there I actually go. found like even harder than he it. normally partied, which was all the time. Yeah, like I actually, yeah, those are the fun stories. Like I was able to track down the club promoter who like promoted that party, <laughs> and like he still needs to send me the flyer to the thing, um, to the party. He says he still has it because they put because oh, they convinced because they convinced Michael Jordan to like actually put his name on the flyer. 
right. through uh, Alvin Robertson because those two have become friends because they I think they played together on like the 84 Team USA um, Olympics team. So like uh, Jordan put his name on the flyer. And then, yeah, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but it's like he basically they play at 3 p.m. on a Sunday and mm-hmm. like they, they were basically out until like eight in the morning. Um, but it was like it's kind of funny because like as I'm writing it, like I'm like 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 you mentioned, like even re- referencing the Bucks game. It's like this happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And also like the Bulls almost beat them that day anyways. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, yeah, it was a close game. No, I was like, damn, I, I was like, damn, I, I like found this great side story. But I'm like, I got a lesson. I got to lower the importance of this because like it's not how the reason why. They no, no, no. It's the true flu game. It's the it's the real <laughs> flu game. No, that, that, that was actually one of my biggest struggles. Like after putting together that really fun story, I'm like, oh, this actually kind of doesn't matter because like they used to just do that all the time. <laughs> but it's a cool story anyways. Yeah. yeah. Well, we it's like it's crazy that like us like Raptors sickos like hold on to something like that. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like such an insignificant regular season game that amounts no, 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 to nothing. No, 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 no. See, see, see. But see, we see. we gotta, are I, like, I, I, no, I, no, no. This is I gotta, a big I gotta push deal back. in our no, origin story. Listen, man, I gotta push back on that. Like, like I remember that Bulls team, like you know, very fondly, and like I remember them chasing that record and like them only losing yeah. ten games. Like, listen, man, and we were one that, of those ten games. Yeah, but listen, yeah. You know what? If they win. beat us, then the yeah. Warriors win of beat that record. Yeah, years exactly. later they would have tied it yeah like so we play a huge part so it is in, historically yeah. significant no we play a huge part in 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 nba history because of uh because of that win and it's so crazy like they still play that game on like nba tv and stuff nba tv canada oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. sorry <laughs> not, to, not to confuse the uh american civilians here yeah <laughs> Sorry for people listening in Kansas. Oh my God! You will, you will not be able to catch this Raptors Bulls game we're referencing. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, they can, people in Kansas can listen to this. Yeah. Uh, maybe they do. I'm not sure. I don't. Uh, I don't look into the numbers. Uh, you don't look into the numbers. I respect that. Yeah. I don't. No. Yeah. No. no other people cool. do that for me. Oh, you have nice. people doing that. For yeah. You. P- oh. Other people do that for me. Okay. Yeah, okay. I respect yeah, I that. I don't. I, don't do I respect. That. I respect that. I'm yeah. I'm content focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your your talent is what we say. Yeah, I'm talent. In, in, Thank in you. Biz. Yeah. Yeah. See, not not just a civilian. Yeah, yeah. I also mean, talent. Yeah, yeah. Civilian slash talent. Yeah. There we go. Wow. So, civilian first. Uh, that's fine. He's roasting me because he's always beating me. I'm not poker. roasting, Catherine. <laughs> I respect. I respect. Are Catherine. you playing poker still with Ennis? Uh, I think he, I haven't played with him in a while because like I think he's been busy with his work. So yeah, I That's don't know. Good. I feel I feel like there might be a game soon, but I definitely don't have any like recent um poker stories. That's yeah, fine. Shouts to Ennis Esmer. You know, I'll watch a yeah. blind spot or a red oak soon, my brother. Yeah, I promise. It was it was getting too intense. I told Ennis that you're all too cool for me. Like I Oh the, I oh, oh, the poker game was getting. Oh, I thought you meant. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. No, the poker. I was like, game I was like, I haven't watched Red Oaks yet to know if it gets intense by season three. Um, um, but like, um, yeah, the poker. You know, the poker was know, getting it intense. It's, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a male dominant game. Wow. And no, Here I'm just, is. I'm Here just listing is. the demographic, and it's like, and it's like, yeah, guys are just fucking. Oh, can I swear on this? <laughs> you just did. Okay, sorry. Am I allowed though, or no? Yeah, um, yeah, it's fine. Okay, I, I won't like you know do it on purpose all the time but like guys are just like idiots like and we get like no matter what like you could put like a just a stick and a ball and like two sticks and a ball in front of us and we'd like make a competitive game out of it like we just can't we just can't just have fun you know like no it has to be about money and it also has to be competitive and then it has to get personal (laughs) like this is just (laughs) this is just the escalation of guys hanging out <laughs> like like everything has to be competitive like like there's just yeah a competitive and listen like i don't know like maybe i don't want to genderize like competitiveness because like women are competitive too but god when you put guys in a room like you know they, they will fight over anything like there's too much ego and like pride i so. mean for me it was more just intense in that i'm not like an actual poker player 
yeah so yeah. i so was just going like for fun casually. Yeah, yeah yeah and then like next thing i know the hands are like 20 dollars each yeah yeah they're getting a little out of hand and i um, was like okay i can't no no yeah i mean i come from a background of like i was like a degenerate gambler in my early 20s so like, okay this is, so yeah this is actually like yeah like i feel like i'm in rehab when so I the one night where i was doing well and i was winning ennis kept wanting to play more and then he... <laughs> i mean this is the other thing <laughs> And I then mean, the I next did. thing I know, it's like four in the morning. Well, I didn't know. And I'm I like, know. can I, I take know. my my plus $30 and go home finally? Like, this I, I, is I, I madness. Didn't, I didn't know we we're using this pod to litigate. Uh, <laughs> and this is poker game. Please don't listen to this. Ennis. Oh, my I'm God. Poor to, Ennis. This I'm is the get, one episode Ennis listens to. I'm about to get banned. Um, but, <laughs> but no, I enjoy my nine hours um, at Ennis's poker games from 8, 8 p.m. to 4. It's true. There's no side conversations really about anything else. The it's rounds little, keep going. No, it's like a little chatter, you know, get get it's a little Only social. A little. It's a little social at the start. And then yeah. once someone's feelings get hurt over uh, you know, the cards, <laughs> then it's like, oh, it's kind of weird now. Like it's it's tense. I don't mind it though, you know, as a as a fellow dude, you know, it does get competitive. Wow. So I'm I'm ready to dude it up. So, All right. Yeah. I just anyway. need to get more experience in a less uh no, financial think, arena if that makes no, sense I, and then I, I can come back i honestly feel like poker or like just gambling in general or playing cards like you either love it or you don't and like you don't have to love it you know what i mean it's like i feel like it's a very casual thing for you it's so, very like, casual for me yeah it's a very casual thing i think you look at it more as but like i don't think that's a reflection on women no, 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 and, and that's by no just means, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By no means did I say that. Um, let's no, just, clarify. just let's just be. In yeah, case, let's just be in clear. case this gets clipped. Um, <laughs> and and I did want a WNBA team in Toronto. Um, but yeah, we're um, gonna talk about that too. Yeah, we'll see how much I can say. Um, but um, <laughs> um, yeah. Now I lost my train of thought as I think about my my full time job. Um, what's like this? <laughs> okay, and it's game. Um, yeah, yeah. Like it just. Yeah, no, it's not a woman thing. I think it's just. It's just. For some people, like playing poker and gambling is very like uh, like a social thing. So when it gets to a point where it's not a social thing and it seems like it's like a financially competitive thing, then it's like, okay, this is yeah. not fun for me anymore. And I feel like that's you. Yeah. That is me. Yeah. That and I respect me. that. Yeah. I respect yeah. that. All right. I don't Thank agree you. with it, but I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get back on topic here oh sorry uh, <laughs> I, thought we were, I thought we were wrapping up already we're, no 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 we're promoting like, this book called prehistoric like, yeah go buy so i can play poker yeah <laughs> it's, it's sold out on amazon it's uh available on indigo in stores and online right now yeah yeah you get it you get a free copy when you donate 30 dollars to uh alex's gofundme for his gambling habits yeah and, just, uh, just know that know. if you buy this book i will spend whatever if I get any royalties on the back end on like real dumb shit. So like, just know, <laughs> just know you're really supporting something really stupid. Like, don't, yeah, don't he even... says he's, he says yeah. he's not writing any more books, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. How far yeah. You know, habit goes. Oh God. You know, you know, I'm uh, I've decided at this point in my quote unquote book tour to, to start the gimmick of telling people to not buy my book. So don't guys don't buy my book. <laughs> just, just don't, don't do it. Like you, you're supporting a terrible cause. So like, stop. <laughs> Yeah. stop don't don't read the book yeah. oh my god well speaking of which let's go back to the book for a second okay let's <laughs> not but let's do it yeah, let's yeah. do it let's do it because yeah. um you know i feel like you know the book obviously is the story of toronto getting a team it's about expansion and how tough like expansion can really be mm. and i want to know do you think the nba will ever expand outside of the u.s again like will vancouver ever get a team again do you think they could expand into mexico city at some yeah. point in the future where do you think that's headed like you know obviously yeah. this is like probably distant future but yeah my short answer would be i guess at least in the short term like no um, I just think, you know, I think everybody kind of assumes that Seattle and Las Vegas are, are next to get an expansion yes, team yeah. in the NBA. And I just think for the NBA, like the risk reward is just not worth it for them to like, if you're specifically talking about Canada, especially like to kind of tap more into this market. Like we've already seen, um, you know, Vancouver not work out. 
And I think it's super cool when they do the NBA Canada games and like they have Vancouver, you know, they go to Vancouver, they go to Montreal. Montreal always has a really good crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, they had one recently too, right? When OKC played there in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I see people get excited being like, man, like if they can sell out, um, you know, a preseason game, there's definitely an audience here. And, you know, to me, that's, that's like a bit naive just because like, you know, um, there's been like proven track record, at least if you look at Vancouver, of like things not working out. And there's just too many markets in the U.S. I feel like mm-hmm. that if the NBA did want to continue like expanding and like Adam Silver sitting in his like little skims underwear in his office is like plotting God. to. Sorry, sorry for that imagery. Uh, <laughs> I hated when that went viral. I was like, no one wants yeah. to know this. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, but like, um, <laughs> yeah, like if he's sitting in his office in his skims and like thinking about like, oh, I want to expand to this you know 35 teams whatever like i just feel like there's going to be so many options in the u.s that that will come before canada and you mentioned like kind of mexico city i know they've done like exhibition games there and stuff um i guess the travel is not that far but it's like i do wonder it's like oh starting a new team an nba team in like a brand new country like that like just the heavy lifting of it um oh it would be a lot yeah and it almost feels like if you're going to do one team there, should you do like maybe three teams in Mexico or something? Or like, you know what I mean? It's like, um, it seems like one team might not be the best solution either. So I guess to answer your question, like, you know, specifically for Canada, like I'm not very optimistic that there'll ever be like a second Canadian team. Um, And I think, and I think overall, I think they have so much more room to expand than the U S for now that like, I don't think they'll ever expand internationally anywhere else. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's kind of um, sad, but yeah. Yeah, no, but it's but it's true. Um, speaking of which, you know, you talked about the WNBA. You know, we didn't get a team after all. Uh, like you said, despite a successful preseason game and a lot of what felt like momentum, uh, but it turns out the ownership backed out of this even before that game actually took place. Like. What do you think of that? And do you think that another ownership group could possibly bring a WNBA team here? Yeah. You know, I think, I think I share the same disappointment as everybody in terms of it just seemed like the momentum was pushing towards an announcement that Toronto was going to get a a WNBA team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think when I think about WNBA, I look at it a lot differently than the NBA in terms of like, yeah, selling out a WNBA game here is a big deal because the WNBA, to me, even though I know they've been here for like so many years now, like 20 plus years, right? Like, I think, um, like, they're still, to me, I look at them still as like a kind of early growth stage because I've seen the WNBA really explode in popularity in the last, I want to say, like, whatever, four or five years, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. just so many more people now, especially the younger demographic, really tapping in. And I think they've done a great job of just like marketing players, marketing teams. Like, I, I remember, too, like me, like, you know, I I always say when people ask me why I don't watch more WNBA, I was like, I don't even watch the NBA, man. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> but like just kidding. But like, um, no, like even me as like a kind of a casual this year, I was like, oh, excited to follow what the Liberty were doing based on all the signings that they had made um, and excited to see what the Aces were doing and like just learning about different players on like different teams. So like, um, you know, to your question, it's like, I think this was the best shot in terms of like, um, you know, partnering up obviously with um, an ownership group that already has an infrastructure with an NBA team, got the arena, um, got a G league team, all this stuff, got the staff in place that they could probably like, you know, obviously would hire more people, but it's like, they know exactly how to like, you know, run a team Um, in terms of a potential other ownership group. I think you just get into a lot of other questions, right? It's like, where are you going to play? Is there going to yeah. be enough kind of money to support the team? So, um, yeah, I think it's disappointing. I mean, I, I'm not like a whatever business reporter or whatever, but it's like thinking about, um, you know, some of the numbers that was tossed out in terms of how much it would have cost to get an expansion team. It just seemed like such a like forget about like, you know, supporting women's sports and all of that stuff. Like, yes, I think that stuff should go without saying, but just as a business investment, it just seemed like a, a smart investment for an ownership group to, to tap into because the potential of like, like bringing in such a new audience and a different audience and just satisfying the demand that's here for women's basketball. Like it was all there. So it's like, now I worry it's like, Oh, next time when expansion comes around and the WNBA like does 
does the league even come back around to Toronto? Like it feels like they gave them a chance here and, and they didn't take it. So like, was that kind of the only opportunity? Yeah. Well, I mean, if, even if it isn't the only opportunity because the league is finally like growing, like mm-hmm. you said, like in the last four or five years, the price tag will only be higher. Yeah. I mean, that's the other right? thing. Like too, it's right? like, you yeah. know, like the number $50 million was being tossed around mm-hmm. as like the going rate for a franchise. Yeah. It's like, like I said, that's like two, uh, like two auto Porter juniors. Uh, there you go. Like, and then yeah. it's like in 10 years from now, that number could double. Yeah, exactly. Like, who knows? So, like, again, like obviously we weren't in those rooms to, to know like what those discussions were, but it's just like from the outside looking in, especially as like, basketball fans I'm, I'm sure some of these business people will make a case to us being like oh this is why it doesn't make sense but it's like just from everything that we know like it just seemed like a no-brainer um and i think yeah i, I think it is really disappointing because it's like toronto had a chance to get in on the WNBA at it's like very peak right now as it's mm-hmm. continuing to grow and i think it would have been so amazing even from like a, a, a media standpoint, because I know um, we all care about the media so much, um, is that <laughs> like it would have created a lot more job opportunities um, for people to kind of tell stories here. Um, it would have just created more jobs, like just because like, you know, obviously there's a league and a team running in the summer and it would have flowed perfectly from like the Raptors getting bounced to the playing game, you know, right to yep. the Toronto WNBA team. And it's like, um, it would have just been cool to know that there's like a year round, like pro basketball basically happening in the city. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And also like, I just felt like a lot of the reasons that were released publicly just didn't really make sense to me. Like, oh, like Scotiabank arena availability. Like I went to the Scotiabank arena website, looked at their calendar and it's like empty. I know. All Will, summer. Will, yeah. Will actually, Will did that exercise when, when that report came out and it was like, they would have had to lose like seven concerts or something. Um, yeah, or not but, even. Like yeah, it's like yeah. you know, you do like you know, like the Lakers famously do a Grammys road trip. Yeah, every yeah. You, year you, where you they leave their arena. Way, you could have worked your way around it, and the yeah. arena would have still gotten the uh, the concert revenue. Yeah, that like wanted. that, or or just do monster trucks in Hamilton or something. You know what I'm saying? You could always move. <laughs> you know, shout to my monster truckers, but like you know. I'm sure we could find a new venue to destroy some trucks. Yeah, yeah so. like the whole thing just didn't make any sense. So anyways, yeah, disappointing. But, you know, the book's about expansion, and that was like an expansion uh, uh, opportunity lost here, at yeah. least for now. At least for now. Um, okay, I have a couple th- more things I want to ask you still. Um, yeah, I'm chilling. <laughs> Until my lunch appointment at noon. Yeah. Wow. Okay, there we go. Um, okay, I wrote like this is a basic question, and maybe you get asked this all the time, or maybe you don't. But uh, why do you love the Raptors? Yeah, uh, I laughed when uh because you know Catherine did send me these questions before as a pro. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. It's like I thought about the question, and it's like I do love the Raptors, but I feel like I love basketball more than like as a whole, more than mm. I love the Raptors. And it's like for me, like, I still remember making my, like, grade 7, grade 8 basketball team and then um, playing in high school as well um, in, like, grade 9 and grade 10. And, like, those are some of my most fond memories of just going to gyms, like, traveling to tournaments, like, hopping on a team bus, like, after school and, like, even trekking in the snow with, like, my teammates, like, after, like, practice at school to, like, go to a friend's house to hang out and play video games and stuff. Um, and I remember like being outside, like on my driveway when my dad bought us like, um, a rim and like shooting threes and like pretending to dunk like Shaq and all this stuff, or like just going to the playground to play. Um, and then obviously watching basketball, like growing up and like looking up to guys like Shaq and Penny and like MJ and all these guys. And then Damon Stoudemire when he came here, it's like, um, I think basketball is just such a like formative part of my life growing up. And it was a great way for me to just like make friends. Like it was just like. Mm if somebody else liked basketball like we'd be able to chat um and it's like it's it's kind of crazy but it's the exact same now it's like i'm chatting with you um because i'm a i'm a world famous author but it's also like i'm (laughs) i'm chatting with you because like we have a shared interest in in basketball and like if i if i ran into you like somewhere like we'd talk about basketball you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and it's like you know sometimes it is kind of like I know it's cheesy, like, you know, people being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, basketball, like, you know, it's changed my life and stuff. Like, I wouldn't go that far. But it's like um, basketball has just been such a huge part of my life. 
Um, and I think both from a personal standpoint and now being able to think about it, like publishing books about it, covering the team, um, it's, it's kind of incredible. It's kind of incredible. It's like this love and passion for basketball, which is slowly withering away year by year um, as we get older. <laughs> but this, um, this passion and love for basketball has like opened up so many doors for me and like allowed me to like meet so many people. So like, um, you know, when, when I thought of your question, I really thought of it in that context. And I think to the Raptors specifically, it's like this, this was like the home team. Right. And I think, and I think we all love the Raptors. Like a lot of us, like me and you, we rooted for them for so long uh -huh. and like we saw them struggle for so long. And it's like, anytime you root for a sports team, like you just hope in your lifetime, just once you get to see what it's like to, to kind of be on that other side. Cause you always see other teams celebrating. And I remember thinking always growing up, even when the Raptors first came in as like an expansion team. And then you like watch the Bulls win the championship, watch the Spurs win the championship, the Lakers. And, my, and I always catch myself when I watch the, those other teams get the Larry O'Brien trophy. I'm always like, damn, like the, the Raptors are in the same league as these guys, but it like doesn't, no, you know what I mean? <laughs> doesn't but it feel like, yeah, it. it really doesn't feel like it because I cannot imagine them standing on that podium. So like to, we just to, sat through too many primo pasta commercials. No, you know like, what I mean? No, like seriously though, I always caught myself thinking that. Um, you know, watching the finals, and then it's like you flash forward to 2019 and they're like actually in the finals and like they actually win the championship. So it's like I, I think the love of the Raptors is just born through kind of this like commitment as a sports fan to 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 really kind of tap in and, and really follow them like day to day, year to year and stuff. And seeing that payoff is 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 uh is like great. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very well said. And I agree. I think when you when you have such fandom for mm -hmm. something like this, it becomes more than the fandom itself. You get a sense of community friendships and, and things like that. So I think that is in a lot of reasons why, you know, people stick around. Even yeah. beyond just the wins and losses and stuff. Yeah, and I, I'm like, I don't judge people who don't like sports, but I often... I guess I do often judge is, is my conclusion, but it's like, I often, when, <laughs> no, cause often when friends be like, Oh yeah, like my, uh, you know, I hung out with my uncle, but he doesn't watch sports at all. And I'm like, damn, like, I, I just, I think I just wish, I, I just wish they would realize what they're missing out on is all I'm saying. Uh -huh. And like, I'm sure there's other things that obviously satisfy and fulfill their life. Um, but I, I just feel like sports is just such a, like, I don't know. Cause I don't know any other way. Like I've just always grown up like I'm surprised sports. you know people who don't watch sports. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like even in high school, <laughs> I remember like high school university. I remember used to like meet people who were just like, Oh yeah, I don't have a TV, like so I don't watch any sports or like anything. But like I guess that's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah. like um just nomads. But like um but like um <laughs> it, it's just like cause I don't know any other way. Like I would just always love sports, right? Like I grew up reading like sports illustrated you know i would buy all these basketball almanacs and like study them like all this stuff and it's like um yeah i, I just sometimes wish people would understand it's like the joy the joy but I, I think for you too like probably you in like the comedy space uh -huh. um you know the acting space like you probably obviously there are people there that cross over and love sports but then there's probably people who are like yo why the fuck are you like so fucking strung out or stressed out about this like basketball game you know what i mean it's like <laughs> people don't no but people don't yeah. get it if they're if they've never experienced it you know what i mean yeah i had a lot of people reach out to me when uh nick nurse was fired a lot oh, of yeah, people yeah, yeah. Reached out. i was like yo he didn't die like <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i mean it was a symbolic death for you so yeah you know. only but only symbolically you know yeah it was yeah, fine. yeah it's fine he's still he's still a hottie too or what man no i moved on I moved you've on. moved on okay yeah. that's good yeah yeah speaking okay. of which it is now the raptors hottie highlight of the yeah, week I, te I teed you up for that yeah yeah you did well done <laughs> which it has been since mid last season i i was out on nick nurse before mm. you know like everyone okay. else um but this week's hottie highlight of the week goes to scotty barnes dancing to the succession theme song in san antonio uh absolutely love that they would pick that for the away team feels like that's a fun choice but also embracing it and dancing to it i'm also a huge succession fan so I, I personally uh, had great joy from from watching that. I believe you're a Succession fan too, no? Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Succession guy, and like um everybody subscribed to the Raptor show at Sportsnet because um we actually <laughs> took that bit 
and did a whole segment yesterday of raptors as succession characters um, oh yeah things kind of fell off the rails though because there was a lot of comps i couldn't say on air um so i just <laughs> halfway halfway through the segment i was just like yeah guys i'm not doing this anymore because i don't get this because i can't express my true opinions on here like i'm i cannot go on pretending roman is like you know og or something i'm like guys these are not good um so anyways roman yeah, no. would not be og i mean also too it's like you have to go two hours now yeah yeah we do have to go two hours so it's like that's a lot that's a lot of content to fill well two hours and like as we're recording this week the raptors play once this week monday to friday like yeah that's right so it's like when the raptors actually play like the show kind of just runs itself because like we have so much to talk about but when the raptors don't play it's like oh sometimes we're like scrambling and obviously like having guests really helps um and and all that stuff but yeah, a joke. In the summer, my bosses came to me. They're like, yo, we have great news. Um, they're like, we're moving you to, we're, you're getting two hours now. And I was like, what's the great news? Yeah, anyways. Um, <laughs> it didn't come with a pay increase? Anyways, I'm not here to talk about my employment, okay, Catherine? Let's <laughs> let's stay focused here. Yeah. Double the work, same amount of money. No, um, I didn't say that either. That's okay? the, no, 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 but that's just how no corporations comment. do people okay? sometimes. Okay, no comment. Yeah, My agent cannot be reached at this time. Um, so... <laughs> yeah no but yeah no it's fun it's fun i think it goes back it goes back again to to just talking about like what basketball means right like like you doing this like you know um you know us doing the show and all this stuff like i think it's cool there's so much space for this now like there's so much space for this and i think it's super cool to like hear different people the way they think the way they talk about basketball it's true um alex thank you so much for joining me this week really appreciate it the raptor show uh weekdays on sportsnet prehistoric yeah don't it don't, don't just leave it leave it on the shelves at indigo yeah just take a photo with it don't or like it. like pick it up and then move it in front of another book yeah make it heather's pick yeah put a yeah heather's t- put pick. a heather's pick sticker on yeah, it slap a heather's like heather man read this book man come on heather like what's yeah. going on like who's who is heather by the way like i believe actually... she's the ceo oh, oh, oh i gotta beg an exec to read my book there here. you go you're i'm sure they'd he- host you you should do an event at indigo i'm sure they'd host you you're telling me heather is an exec i thought she was just like an avid reader <laughs> <laughs> just I mean, a I, girl who reads a no, lot no no i knew heather had some affiliation at like indigo but i didn't know she was ceo yeah I'm now, sure now i kind of don't CEO. respect that um i mean not to burn any relationships at indigo but it's like um <laughs> um like this is kind of like when obama puts out his like playlist i'm like i don't really know if i respect that because it feels like you had like 12 people put that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he has people that help him put yeah. that together. So do, are, 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 do we think Heather actually reads his her picks? I don't or, know. Or do you think she gets kind of bought off? You know, it's kind of like, yo. Usually CEOs are pretty busy. I don't know how many books she uh, has yeah. time to read. It's like, yo, you know, Will Smith biography. I'm going to slap a Heather's pick on that. They have, like, they have like a crappier sticker with a Sharpie that says staff picks. Oh, yeah. So I've made stuff. So maybe that's like, see, I, there I, you go. So maybe I've that's made, like the way yeah. to go because they've yeah. actually read those books. I, I know you're I know you're trying to wrap up, but uh, I do have some <laughs> indigo stories here. But it's Please. like, um, no, it's like, um, yeah. So I have made staff picks because like, oh, like listeners of the show or people who've read my book, like um, some some of them actually work at Indigo. So they'll like sometimes slap the staff picks, which is cool. And then on the on the day of the release, I actually, um, I guess this is a ritual I do for two books now. So I've done this ritual twice. Um, like I just go into, I guess, like Eaton Center because it's like closest to my work and stuff. And I just offer to like autograph all the books and like leave a little personal like message in there. Um, and then I asked the dude for a pen. And then I think there was like 15 to 20 books there. And like I had just come from like a breakfast television thing in the morning and like, you know, you know, I don't do mornings. I was like fucking tired. So I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sign eight of these. <laughs> like The rest of the people that want to sign books. Yeah. Why would you show up without a pen? No, no, no. I, I mean, I just I, you know, I, I assume a civilian. It was spontaneous. There. Yeah, yeah, it was spontaneous. And I assume like because the thing is, I also don't when I do this, I don't want to just start grabbing my book off the shelf. Like I have to tell someone. Cause like then they'll think I'm some I could be some crazy person who's just like scr- scribbling in books. 
So I had to find someone uh, on the staff and be like, hey, I'm the author. I just want to sign some books and leave it here for people. Um, but they didn't really check. They were like, yeah, cool, man. <laughs> like, so like, I guess I could have been anybody. So if you want to go in and scribble on some prehistoric books, this is how you do it. Wow. So then they give me a pen. There's like 20 books in there. Um, but I'm like, damn, I'm only going to sign eight. Um, cause like I was just tired, but I want to also wanted to motivate people to like, maybe come to a book event, stuff, stuff like that. But like, and then he got like kind of mad at me. He's like, why, why he won't you, mad at you? He's like, why won't you sign the rest? <laughs> he's like, why would you sign? I'm like, and then like, I guess my explanation was kind of corny. I was like, I don't know. I'm tired, man. <laughs> so then I guess I have a little falling out with the Indigo Eden Center as well. <laughs> They didn't seem very impressed by me. They're like, give us the pen back. <laughs> so catch me not at Indigo. He's like, I have more important things to do with this pen than you. Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, I'll slap the because they also have another sticker, uh, which is like signed by the author sticker. Um, right. Yeah. So so he's like, yeah, I'll slap those on later. Um, so I don't know if he actually slapped those on, but actually someone told me they're sold out of books at Eden Center right now. So really? Yeah. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Congratulations. So yeah. So don't stop buying this book. Like it's fine. Yeah, don't buy no, it. don't stop buying the book. Keep buying yeah. the book. Uh, or, you know, give it as a gift, right? Yeah. It's I'm a sure great that's... Christmas. It's a great Christmas gift. It's a great Hanukkah gift. Um, it's a great Easter gift. Um, it's a great, uh, Thanksgiving gift. Um, Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for you to disagree. And no other ho- no other holidays. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of it's a great family day gift too as well. Like if you're just taking family day off. Like, wow. you know, buy one well, for the family. Yeah. All right, I'm 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 done. Sorry for for Prehistoric. For... Yeah. Available now. It's a great book. Alex, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Catherine. Talk soon. Talk to you in 5 years. Talk to you in 5 years. Okay, bye. <laughs>